all the good things. We got all the good things. Yes, he is an activist for reform in the medical field. My hope is that the handbook will become a stable resource in medical settings around the world. It only takes one person to really create such lasting change or to make a powerful impact in the world. We had great stories today. What great people. Change makers. Hey, 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 welcome back, friends. Welcome to All the Good Things Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa. And I'm Esme. And we are so excited to bring you some good stories today. I hope your Monday is off to a fabulous start. And if you're new here, we always like to start our episodes with a good thing that's going on in our life. Just a moment to reflect and remember the beautiful things that happen. So Esme, what's your good thing? My good thing is that we just decorated for Christmas in my apartment. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited. I was nervous because Christmas trees are very expensive. And last year we didn't really decorate, but this year we have a new roommate who loves Christmas. Her name is Caitlin. A shout out to you, Caitlin. And there's a Christmas tree lot right down the street from our place. And um, we went and we roamed around and I got us the Starbucks holiday drinks so we could frolic amongst the pine trees with um, some delicious hot chocolate. And we found this adorable little tree. It's probably like four feet tall but it's dusted with fake snow which I think is so cute I remember the first time I saw fake snow on Christmas trees in California I kind of scoffed at it because I'm from Minnesota and I'm like they don't even understand that even people in Minnesota don't have snow on their trees because they're always inside like every Christmas (laughs) tree even when you live in a snowy climate is just a normal green color so I was like, Psh, they're just trying to like get snow because they don't, they're not cool <laughs> enough to have snow. And now and look then, at you. <laughs> and now I have the white, the white snow on the Christmas tree. And I love it because one of the colors in my apartment is white. Like we have a white fluffy rug and some white fluffy pillows. So it matches that. Nice and standard color. Yeah, they're standard. <laughs> it's standard. And we don't have too many decorations on it. We have like a handful of ornaments, but it looks a lot more decorated than it would be if it was the same exact tree without the fluffy snow on it. You know what I mean? I get you. I've seen those beautiful snow dusted trees and I, in fact, think they're gorgeous. So not hating at all on that. I was hating and I've transformed. (laughs) And I also have poinsettias everywhere. And we have this like LED strip light year round that we get to pick the colors. So now the color is set to, you know, green to complement all the red from the poinsettias. And we have a wreath. And uh, we have another wreath on the inside above our TV. So we have two wreaths. And uh, my, my boyfriend Joey brought over Christmas lights to put on our balcony. So we're all Aww. all bougied out. You went with big the this year. Vibes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I she, love that. <laughs> long story short, my apartment is super festive right now and it brings me lots of happy, cozy Christmas joy vibes. How about you, Melissa? What's your good thing? <laughs> my good thing, I mean, oh my God. First of all, I also love Christmas. So it sounds like me and Caitlin would get along excellently. Um, but my good thing is I went skiing for the first time this weekend 
And I have been one of those people that has religiously avoided snow um, since I was like seven, just because I have had terrible luck in the snow. Every time I've been in it, I will break bones. I almost paralyzed my back. I've gotten like a scar on my face. Basically, what? Basically, I have no luck usually. And then, and you decided that the best thing to do to test that would be skiing. You know what? <laughs> I did try inner tubing the weekend before on Thanksgiving. So I, that was my first time really testing snow again. And I had a blast. And I also realized like, you know what? Life is short. Like 2020 happened. What could happen next? So I'm just going to face my fears and do it. So go knock on wood. Yeah, right knocking now. on wood. <laughs> Thank you, Mother Earth. <laughs> I appreciate you. Um, So I finally went into the snow and I had a blast. Skiing was actually very fun. I fell a few times, but I also hit some cool slopes and I felt like I was a pro a little bit. So (laughs) it was a nice, a nice change from the usual fear-based snow outings. (laughs) (laughs) Normally, I don't hear the words fear and snow in the same (laughs) sentence. Everyone's like... Oh, it's snowing. It's so pretty outside. Or I can't wait to go build a snowman. Yeah, I mean, I do admire it. I do love it. Like, I could walk in the snow. I'm not afraid of that. I've just always been afraid of, like, doing activities in the snow. I'm so proud of you for overcoming your fear of snow and skiing for the first time. Thank you, Esme. I appreciate you so much. Well, yeah, so that was our good things. Thank you for listening along, and I hope you had a laugh or two, and maybe thought of something good in your life. But now it's time for the stories. Do we got stories, Esme? We got stories. We got all the good stories. That's the whole point of our podcast. Yes, it is the whole point of this podcast. Anyway, Esme, share your good story. Oh, I'm so excited about this one. I have been waiting to share the story for a while now, and I'm so happy that the opportunity has finally come. And it is about an outstanding person named Malone Mukwende. Hello, Malone. Shout out to you. Mm -hmm. Also, I don't know why, but every time I hear the the name Malone, I just think of Post Malone. So I think it'd be really funny if his full name was like Post Malone Mukwende. (laughs) Or if that was really Post Malone's alter ego. What if they're the same person? Oh my God, could be. (gasps) Gasp. Um, (laughs) I don't think so. Uh, Malone McQuende is a 20-year-old medical student living in London, and he just finished his second year at St. George's University. Oh, nice. Congrats. Yeah, so very different than, than Post Malone, but also doing incredibly great and impactful things. So... Malone describes medical school as a constant battle of love and hate, but he powers through it all by staying focused on the end goal. So if you've ever been in college and especially like a medical school, graduate school, you can probably relate. I don't fully understand how he's only 20 years old and already done with his second year of medical school, but it's in the UK. So I was actually going to ask you if you know anything about how the (laughs) UK schooling works. (laughs) Again, if you're new here, Esme is purely asking me because I'm married to a British man. Um, I have no (laughs) knowledge myself of the English school system, Um, but I'm pretty sure it's because they have this thing called, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's right there. Ollie, Ollie, where (laughs) Where are are you, Ollie? (laughs) 
They have this thing though where like at where we have high school, the last two years that would be our high school, like junior and senior year, is a separate sort of secondary school where they can study whatever field that they are passionate about that they want to go into. And it's like kind of like college essentially because they're choosing their their course. Is it just secondary school or do they call that college and then our college is what they call university? I don't want to, I think I'm getting confused here. I just know that that's what those two years are. And so I feel like maybe if he did that, he already like passed certain classes so that he could go into grad school. Just dive right in. Yeah. I mean, or he could just be a genius and he just was like, I like that one. I like genius. Doesn't matter what the schooling system is. Let's just classify Malone McQuandai as a genius because honestly, the rest of the story, you're going to. You're going to respect him so much, and he deserves to have the title of genius. All right, Malone, if you hear that, make that your new ringtone, as may just called you a genius. <laughs> Malone McQuende, comma, genius. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, instead of like comma PhD, it's just comma G dot N. I don't know what that stands for. We're just going to say it's genius. Okay, okay. <laughs> so Malone McQuende is a genius, 20 years old, medical student at St. George's University of London. And he has a really good group of friends and a lovely community within St. George's African and Caribbean society. So McQuande, or I'm just going to call him Malone because I want to be his friend. So I'm going to manifest that we're, we're friends. Okay. I'm fine with that. That's cool. Sweet. Okay. So Malone, he was born in Zimbabwe and is currently living in London. And right away on the first day of classes in this medical school, And right away, as soon as he began attending medical school, he noticed that many of the things he was learning would not apply to him or show up the same way on his skin color. For example, if you're learning about a disease that manifests as a red rash, that would look super apparent on someone who has a white skin tone, but would be very different on someone with a darker skin tone. And that it's not a good thing to recognize, to be in class and realize that everything that you're learning is really biased towards a Caucasian population. And it's so, so, so important because if medical professionals are not learning about how disease manifests on darker skin, this is so important because if medical professionals are not learning about how disease manifests on darker skin tones, People of color are receiving inadequate and disproportionate care from the very, very beginning, Mm. right? Yeah. And that's a huge problem. So I was actually inspired to go do some research on like statistics on actually how prevalent health inequity is in the United States, even though this story is taking place in London. It's a worldwide impact. What did you find? What I found, and this was really interesting, on the CDC's website, The last time they did a study on health disparities and inequalities was in 2013. So most of these statistics are from 2013, which I'm a little bit shocked about because I think you should be doing that study a little bit more frequently. It was a super huge study, so obviously something that takes a lot of years to complete, but I feel like every five years would even make more sense. I have a feeling 2021 is going to like be the start of a new one. (laughs) I hope so. But when this was published, basically they found that black Americans are more likely to experience premature death from stroke and coronary heart disease. And minority groups and people of color also experience higher rates of tuberculosis, lower life expectancy, 
increased rates of HIV, increased rates of preterm birth, and even diabetes. So this is a huge issue. And obviously, it's not all because symptoms are being misrecognized from the beginning. There's a lot of other factors at play there, including, you know, socioeconomic status and the whole shebang. So overall, the big picture here is that people of color, and especially black people, have a super large disparity in health. And while there's a lot of different factors going into that, like socioeconomic status, even just geographic location, a big portion of that is probably what Malone found, where there's just a general lack of education to medical professionals from the very beginning. He decided to approach Margot Turner, who is a senior lecturer at St. George, and he told her that I'm not learning anything that could help my family at home. So that's like exactly what he said to her. And Margot Turner is responsible for infusing diversity into the medical curriculum at St. George's. So she instantly jumped on board. And they eventually applied for a student staff partnership grant and received it in December 2019. And they are now currently in the process of publishing a book called Mind the Gap, a handbook of clinical signals in black and brown skin. Love that. Wow, huge strides. Go Margo and Malone. So cool. So someone on his team. M squared. Ooh, I like it. Actually, we, we gave you a cool name. It could totally be like M, what's it with three? M cubed. Wait. M cubed. M cubed, because now their book's called Mind the Gap. Malone, McQuende, and Margot. M cubed. Power team. Yeah, Malone, Margot, and Mind the Gap. Their work. Oh, yes. Yeah. His team expanded beyond just Margot, but that's who he went to first. Okay. And part of what they did was actually research, you know, like the, the photos that are used in medical textbooks. So they did their own research and found that amongst widely used medical books, around 75% of the photos in them are photos of white skin and less than 5% of the photos are photos of dark skin. Wow. And I'm guessing the other 20% is, you know, like the insides of humans, which are identical mm-hmm. in terms of color. <laughs> Not even identical, but you, you get rid of skin color yeah. when you go inside and anatomy. Anywho. Ooh, I just got an image of like looking at someone's insides and it kind of grossed me out. <laughs> this is why I'm not a doctor. I'm sure that grosses some people out. I studied anatomy and kinesiology, so I get excited about that stuff. Um, in photos, I don't think I would get as excited about that in real life. Yeah. <laughs> Hence why I'm also not a doctor. <laughs> so I was reading an interview that he gave, and Mind the Gap, the name of the book, is actually inspired by the London metro system. Because there are those little signs that say mind the gap between where you stand and where the the metro comes. And he thought it was really fitting because it alerts you to the danger of that gap and how it potentially has fatal consequences. And the same thing applies to the gap in academic literature and understanding 
of how disease manifests on darker skin tones. Because if you don't know how a disease looks on someone with black skin or brown skin, you're not as prepared to give them medical care you might misdiagnose. And that just sets off a whole chain of events that could lead to dun-dun-dun, death. Death. No! Anywho, this is a good podcast, so even though those bad things exist, like health inequality, we are working to fix that, and Malone McQuende is doing a banging job. So this book, Mind the Gap, is in the process of being created. It's not yet published, but when they do publish it, they are not going to sell it for profit. Like They just want it to be accessible and easily available to everybody. Love that. So, you would think that after Malone McQuende achieved the grant needed to put this book into action, that he might just be like, yes, I've fulfilled my dream and my calling. But no, he is going to go above and beyond because he is an exceptional genius who is fighting for equality and specifically equality in the medical field. So if you have black or brown skin and maybe a disease that manifests on your skin, you can take a picture of that, submit it to the website blackandbrownskin.co.uk and it will be reviewed by a whole team of doctors and then potentially uploaded to just expand a database full of images of how diseases and symptoms look on different skin colors. So it's just going to be evolving and growing and accessible and free. And Malone's work has been described by other people within his field already as critical and an absolute need, which I completely agree with. Me too. And to end this good story, I have a quote directly from Malone McQuende himself that I got from thewashingtonpost.com. And he says, my hope is that the handbook will become a stable resource in medical settings around the world. I want it to empower medical professionals so they feel more competent and so patients can be confident that their doctors understand them. Oh, yes. Love that. And I can't wait until it's published. And I'm so excited because I love that their goal isn't let's just create a resource. It's let's create a resource and integrate it into the mainstream medical education. Yes, he is an activist for reform in the medical field, and it is much needed, especially if we're not there yet. The fact that he's taking direct action and making it so accessible just so that medical people can be more competent at their job and be more confident with their patients is huge. Like, it's amazing. I also love it because it's coming from such a good place. It's like, let's not blame doctors for not providing the care that they should be to people of color. It's let's look at the reason why. And hey, one of the reasons why might just be that there's a general lack of education around the subject. And education is such a powerful tool to create change. So it's just only good, right? Like, it's awesome. Love that story. A plus plus Go plus alone. plus. Anywho, that's my good story. I'm super inspired by it, and I would love to hear your good story. 
Well, thank you, Esme, for sharing that. I learned something totally new, and I'm very glad I did. And along with that, another person that is making change is the woman I'm about to talk about in my story. Woohoo! All right, so along with Malone, this woman named Namonte Nenquimo made a huge stride for her people as she is the leader of an indigenous Amazon tribe called the Walroni. Can I just say that I think these names are so beautiful? Like, nothing against English names, but if you think of basic, super common Western names like Ben or John or Greg, they're just, they're so plain. (laughs) They're so plain. And these names are so beautiful and eloquent and like phonetic. Well, nothing wrong with you guys, Ben, John, and Greg. We still love all of you. (laughs) <laughs> yes, Ben, John, and Greg, thank you for listening to this podcast. You're, I'm sure you make your names beautiful by being who you are. Yes, good save, Esme. Good save. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. <laughs> so back to my story, which highlights the indigenous Amazon leader of the Walrani tribe. I believe I'm pronouncing that right, but you know what? I'm just going to call it Walrani for the sake of keeping it smooth through the podcast. And if it's not right, let us know. We love to learn. We we will never take it personally. Like we want to say things correctly. So if for whatever reason you know, like without a doubt how to pronounce that name, tell us and we will be better. Yes, please share. Always open to learning and hearing your feedback as well. So Nemante Nenquimo just won the Goldman Environmental Prize for protecting 500,000 acres of Amazon rainforest. Woo! That's 500,000. Yes. Just shows right off the bat from this moment that it only takes one person to really create such lasting change or to make a powerful impact in the world. And Namante, applause to you for doing that because that is a huge feat. You should be super proud. If you don't know what the Goldman Prize is, it's known as the most prestigious environmental prize, and it's called the Green Nobel which I love that. Ooh. And the Goldman Prize was founded in 1989 by John Goldman. He is still the current president and founder of this foundation. And each year they award the Green Nobel to six environmental heroes from each of the six inhabited um, world's continental regions. So about Namante and her people and her beautiful home, Ecuador, Ecuador, since the 1960s, has faced a lot of oil exploration, logging, and road building, which has made a serious impact on Ecuador's rainforests. So we've lost a lot of biodiversity. They've lost a lot of their culture. The indigenous people have also had to face more contaminated rivers and local waste that's been dumped from oil companies, which in turn has spiked their health issues and spiked disease among them. So this has been going on for a long, long time there now. And Namante was tired of it. She was tired of losing her home. She was tired of losing the rainforest. And she has a four-year-old daughter herself who she wants to be a role model for. And with her title as the leader of the Wawani tribe, it's her goal to protect their rights and to protect the rights of all the indigenous people who live in Ecuador with her in the forest. So, in 2018, 
Ecuador's Minister of Hydrocarbons announced an auction of 16 new oil contracts located on the titled lands of indigenous nations, which is a direct violation of their rights. And boo, boo we shall keep him unnamed. Bad. <laughs> very bad. It's also very disheartening because they've still been fighting silently this whole time and it hasn't been really broadcasted the the pressures that they're facing to keep their homes and their forests safe. It became apparent that Namante had to make a change now in order to protect her home and to protect the home for her children and the future generations to come. So, Namante decided to take action and she co-founded the Saibo Alliance in order to fight against the growing planned oil concessions in her home. She organized Waroni communities held region-wide assemblies, and launched a digital campaign targeting potential investors with the slogan, Our Rainforest is Not for Sale. So at the same time that she organized all this work and created this social action, she also helped her communities find a way to maintain their independence from oil company bribes so that they could still make money for themselves and not depend on these companies to succeed in their lives. She did this by installing rainwater harvesting systems and solar panels. She supported a woman-led organic cacao and chocolate production business so that these people would have a way to make their own money. And she secured training for the Walrani youth to become filmmakers which helped them document the work of the activists. And with their help, they published super powerful images for the campaign, including some aerial drone footage. And I think that last part is super amazing, considering this is a very indigenous tribe. They're not used to being interweaved with Western society methods. So the fact that they're adding these tools in to help them gain the exposure they need to protect their home is super awesome. Also, drone footage is just stunning. It's glorious. Like, you, you could run it over a dumpster and like put it to beautiful music at like the sunset and it would still look good. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's so cool. I love how sustainable and intentional those changes are. They're not like a band-aid on top. They are like, let's get to the root of this and set up my people for financial and independent success. Yes. What a queen. What a queen. Absolutely. Mm. And ultimately, she served as the lead plaintiff in this legal action in 2019. And she actually won. Woohoo. That's the good news. Get it. Get it. Yep. The Ecuador's courts ruled in the Waroni favor. And through doing this work, they now have their home. They now have 500,000 acres of Amazon rainforest protected, which allows for more biodiversity. And just a cute little fun fact here, according to the Smithsonian, the Amazon rainforest may have more species of life than anywhere else in the world. Ooh, that is cool. That is cool, right? And she just protected 500,000 acres of home for all of those species. Yes, she did. And while doing this, in order to make this happen, she united once divided indigenous tribes to come together towards this common goal to protect their rights, to protect their home. They all of a sudden had a common goal and a need to come together. And she also bridged the indigenous cultures 
into Western society by using digital platforms and getting her her campaign more noticed on a worldwide broad scheme level that now people are more aware of how these indigenous tribes operate and they're more respectful of it, I believe. It takes so much intelligence to elevate your platform to that level of awareness where you're receiving a insanely prestigious award and winning in a court of law. Like, I'm so inspired by that because in general, indigenous voices are muted and suppressed. So it takes extra work to do all of those things to just be heard. And she wasn't just heard. She was heard and she persuaded and she fucking crushed it. (laughs) She crushed it. She crushed it. Yes, she did. And I'd love to end this story to acknowledge what John Goldman, the president of the Environmental Foundation, said about her and the other honorees who won the Goldman Prize. John said, speaking of Johns, <laughs> here's a very powerful, here's a very powerful and impactful John that we know to be making his it name wonderful. It point though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he has made his name beautiful. Exactly. So John said to all his honorees, thank you for taking a stand risking your life and the livelihoods of those you support and inspiring us with real, lasting environmental progress. Yes, John, you're right. Very eloquent. Good job, John. Huge props to Namonte, who will continue to fight for the rights of indigenous people in Ecuador and to maintain her beautiful home of the Amazon rainforest and all that lives within it, including the many species available in this world, as well as other tribes. So I applaud you for taking a stand, for making that empowering and impactful change that the world needed. We had great stories today. What great people. Just a pair of change makers who are so motivated to not just notice the problems in the world and get bogged down by them, but to say, hey, I am awesome. I can do something about this. Yes. Huge, huge applause to all the activists out there who see a need for something and have the courage, the bravery, and the desire to go after it and actually make whatever change is needed come to fruition. You know what else I love? What, girl? They see something bad in the world, and their reaction to that is there is a potential for good here that I can draw out of this bad situation. And I'm going to do everything that I can to make that good thing become a real, real thing. Yes, that was beautiful. So well put. Thanks. But thank you guys so much for listening to our good stories today. I hope you left this podcast feeling uplifted, inspired, and proud of the people that are in this world that we share together. Because all of us can be activists and all of us can make change in the world. So let your heart lead you and go for it. That's all I got to say about that. What about you, Esme? Any final thoughts? Honestly, I just love what you said about being proud of the people in this world that we share. Like, that's so, so true. You exist in the same exact world as these awesome, incredible humans. And there are so many more of them out there. 
And our goal here is to really just uplift them and share their stories with you in case you've never heard of them. Yes, absolutely. And if you know anyone or you just want us to feature somebody that is doing a good thing in the world, please send them our way. Please send them to all the good things podcast at gmail.com. We are happy to feature them and to share the good work they're doing. Please also like, rate, and subscribe us if you enjoy our episodes and if you want to continue sharing positive things in the world. That would really help us and make our days super special. Yes, do all of those things because they're all good too. (laughs) (laughs) And we will see you next Monday with another episode of Some Cute Little Things. Have a wonderful day. All the good things. We got all the good things. A story to uplift and moments of bliss To remind us all that life is a gift And because we truly care All the good things we share